0: Well, welcome. It's good to have everybody back. We, uh, we did some exciting things when, uh, when you guys were away, we, we got word that, that close to 250,000 dollars committed to the school to do some more upgrades. one of the things we're going to do is we're going to do some new carpeting in the dormitory. So we're pretty excited about that. But we did a couple things over the holidays. What do we do? We painted the chapel. Pretty amazing, eh? And uh, and we put in uh, some new fixtures in the cafeteria. You see that nice uh, sort of gray thing? So yeah, pretty exciting stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's it's just I, I was saying to Pastor Kim today that it just feels so neat to have everybody back and to sense the anticipation and the joy and and just have y'all here. I, I love our community and I love being with y'all. We're looking at the book of Mark today. Um, one of the things I've never done is preached a sermon on 41 verses of Scripture in my life. Uh, so, so it's going to be a wonderful challenge, but I want, to, I want to do a bit of an introduction to the Book of Mark. Uh, I, I sort of tongue-in-cheek looked at the passage of Scripture, and I thought, well, what would be a great application? Uh, it would be, you know, Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went to a solitary place, and that should be all of your what you do for the next semester, but I didn't want to do that. So um, When we look at the Book of Mark, which we're going to be walking through... Uh, and if you hear me say Luke, by the way, as I'm preaching, just ignore that and substitute Mark. I, I said to Gavin the other day, I was stuck in my craw because I was doing some work in the, in the gospel of Luke. I said, yeah, I'm preparing uh, my message out on, of on Luke. And Gavin was freaking because he thought, well, we're doing Mark. What are you preparing a message on Luke for? But it really is out of the book of Mark. But Mark is a gospel historically and traditionally uh, attributed to Mark uh, under the influence of Peter addressed to the Romans. It's a gospel of action. One of Mark's favorite words is right away or immediately. Um, And one of the significant sort of twofold themes in the book of Mark is faith and discipleship. And as we look at chapter 1, as you heard it being read, um, I think chapter 1 of Mark serves as a model for the entire book uh, talking about the ministry of Jesus and, and anchoring, you know what what Mark is saying about Jesus. Mark's goal is for for Roman readers to be both uh, believers, having faith in Christ, and disciples of Christ. And so, as we go through Mark, let me piece some. Some ideas together, and, and I just want to I want to paint some, with some broad strokes today, and then just make some applications to our lives as disciples of Jesus. So, what does Mark tell us about Jesus? The very first part of uh, of Mark that we read this morning reminds us that the ministry of Jesus wasn't a happenstance, wasn't something that just popped up, and oh, here's this guy in Galilee, what you know. He's just giving this a try and we'll see what happens. Mark is careful to remind his Roman audiences that Jesus' ministry flows from the eternal plan and purpose of God. And that that's a huge piece for Mark to bracket the beginning of his gospel for Roman hearers. Jesus just wasn't a, oh my goodness, here's a guy who's going to rebel against Rome. Uh, but rather, he's... Come to Israel and to the world in fulfillment uh, of, of prophecies. You know, we hear Isaiah spoken of regularly in, in Mark. We see John the Baptist. We see God's plan and purpose all the way back from Genesis 12 where Abram was called and that he, uh, he was called to be you know, have a people and, and through the people that came out of Abraham, uh, Israel, there to be a blessing to all nations and Jesus was the fulfillment of that. When I read and when I read the first few verses of Mark, um, I had this picture. I went to Star Wars over the holidays. Did anybody go to Star Wars? What an amazing movie. (laughs) But you know what the beginning of Star Wars does that I love? You know, you're sitting there, you're waiting for it to start. All of a sudden, the string goes black. There's stars, and there's this narration that rolls up at about, you know, at this 45 35-degree angle, you know, and you're reading this. That's a little bit what the beginning of Mark is. It's, you know, before there was George Lucas, there was Mark. Uh, talking about, about the ministry of Jesus. And, and what's really cool about the Star Wars pieces is the narration comes from, from the universe past and moves into an infinite universe. And that's exactly the picture of Jesus entering the time-space continuum, and, and as the fulfillment of prophecy, God's purposes from eternity past, and leading to his purposes in eternity in the future. So Jesus' ministry is bracketed um, at the very beginning. His authority is established at the very beginning, um, by the purposes of God. Then as we read further in Mark chapter 1, 9 to 11, we see this wonderful scenario of Jesus being baptized. Uh, it's one of the few accounts that uh, of the life of Jesus that occurs in all four gospels. And so In the baptism of Jesus, Jesus comes to John the Baptist, he's baptized, we hear this affirmation by God saying, this is my beloved son, Um, there's the descent of the Spirit upon him, and it signals the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, but we can't uh, walk away or, or miss the fact that God was putting his stamp of approval, his imprimatur on the ministry of Jesus at baptism. Jesus wasn't Uh, didn't become the Son of God or become the Messiah, but rather God was empowering and and approving Jesus' ministry that's about to begin. Um, Mark gives us the impression, although the other gospel writers otherwise, that, that only Jesus heard this at this time, which is really interesting. You know, that personal affirmation of the Father... Um, but, but what's interesting is this is not the only affirmation of the ministry of Jesus in the book of Mark. So there's some high points that this leads into. Mark chapter 8 and 9, we discover that uh, Peter is with Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, why don't we do a little bit of polling? Who are people saying that I am? And J- Peter says, well, you're the Christ. Jesus affirms that. A little later on in the mountain of transfiguration, we see the disciples in and Jesus, and, and, and the, he's transfigured by the power of God, and uh, the voice of God once again speaks and says, this is my son. Then at the end of the book of Roman, or the book of Mark, where am I? Uh, chapter 15, we, we, uh, we hear at the foot of the cross the words of a hardened Roman centurion Surely this was the Son of God. And so, Jesus' ministry is confirmed through the book of Mark to the Roman world, starting with God's word of confirmation, the disciples' affirmation, and then God's word of confirmation again. And finally, in the face of crucifixion, the affirmation of a hardened Roman centurion. Surely this was the Son of God, the very person, the very people Uh, that Mark was addressing his gospel to, uh, one of their own was finally affirming the reality of who Jesus was. So there's the beginning in the eternal purposes of God. There's the confirmation of his calling. Um, God, disciples, Romans, grand events, baptism, transfiguration, uh, ultimately resurrection. But Mark also has the challenge to Jesus' calling in 12 and 13. It's interesting that the same spirit that descends on Jesus at his his baptism is the spirit who ushers him into a season of tribulation, of temptation. And Mark has the briefest of descriptions, just a couple of short verses. You know, Mark's Mark's a really succinct gospel. So Mark's sort of the dehydrated version of Matthew and Luke. So you add a little bit of water to Mark's description, and it would, you know, go out to like 15 verses. But we've just got some short verses where Mark is saying um, he's led into the wilderness, he's tempted. We know from the other gospel accounts Jesus' temptations were about turning the focus on himself, about eating, about seizing power, about being worshipped. The temptation for Jesus was to seize power for himself rather than to follow God's plan and purpose. And what's interesting is that it follows on the heels of the confirmation, you're my son. And of course, You know, for us, if God spoke to us and said, you're my son, we'd go out and do ministry, and and that'd be our calling card. Look at me, I'm God's son. But the temptation reminds Jesus uh, that he's to submit to God's plan and purpose. And what's interesting is after every encounter with God, there's this temptation. So in Acts, or in, in, uh, boy, I'm going through the entire New Testament. In Mark chapter, (laughs) in Mark chapter 8 and 9, Jesus is, um, Jesus is, is, hearing Peter say, you're Christ, and he's going, yes, I am. And then Peter says these words of temptation, then don't even think about being crucified and dying. Like, there's that temptation, Mount of Transfiguration, let's build a church up here and stay here forever, Jesus. No. And then at the crucifixion, what's the great temptation? To walk away from the, the ultimate uh, um, reality, the ultimate commitment for the souls and the lives of humanity that, that Jesus would face death on a cruel cross. So, so Mark reminds us that, that even Jesus, after the calling, after the affirmation of the calling, it struggles with issues of temptation in the sense that it's, instead of making it about God and God's plan, to make it about ourselves, make it about him. And then the rest of Mark talks about ministry. So in, in the rest of Mark, what do we find? Um, we find Jesus proclaiming the gospel. We find Jesus calling his disciples. Uh, and, and Mark will see the theme of discipleship through the lives of the disciples themselves. He heals a demoniac. So this confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, that's what's going to happen throughout Mark. We see him healing the multitudes, this wonderful healing group hug where, where Mark gives us account of, of many people being healed by Jesus that speaks to the inclusion of of Jesus' ministry and God's un, uh, undeserved but committed love to all people. Then there's, in, in, uh, in Mark, there's this refocus when Jesus says, uh, yeah, I've got to preach the gospel. That's what I came to do. And the cleansing of the leper, this ritually unclean person. Um, all of these sort of speak of the dynamic events of Jesus' ministry. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this introduction to Mark? Can, as well as it setting the stage for the entire gospel we're going to talk about in the days ahead, or people are going to talk about, all of us are going to go into, can I make the point that the picture of the beginning of Jesus' ministry is not unlike God's calling in our lives? Now, I'm not saying you're all little Jesuses, right? Right? I know a lot of you. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, you're a disciple, you're not the Savior. <laughs> but here's the piece. Here are the, here, are the, here are the little takeaways. The first takeaway is don't forget during the course of the semester, everything that happens, it, it becomes a crazy semester, it becomes a busy semester. Um... And, and, and you know, you'll be feeling a little worn down, a little tired. Don't forget that you're here and you're calling to be a disciple, and many of you are, you're calling to some aspect of ministry and finding God's purpose for your life it isn't about you making some decisions. Yeah, it's about you responding to God's call, but don't forget, every one of your lives and the destiny of your life is rooted in the plans and purposes of God, established from eternity. You're not in this alone. Right? You're in this with a loving Heavenly Father who will design circumstances for your life. And during the course of this semester, you're going to experience some pretty amazing confirmations of His calling in your life. Maybe it's spiritual emphasis. One of you will hear the heavens open and God say, You're my beloved son, you're my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. That would be very cool. Um, but, but there will be confirmations. There will be times when you'll, you'll sense more than other times the powerful presence of God in your life where he will, he will confirm a direction for you. Uh, relish those. Live in those. Write those dates down in your Bible. Describe, you know, diarize some of those events because those are going to be the stakes in the ground that sustain you and help you in the difficult moments of life because they, if they happen for Jesus, they'll happen for us. I'm talking about the difficult moments now. Just like Jesus' calling uh, was sustained and was affirmed through trial, don't be surprised on the heels of some of your most dynamic spiritual experiences. And this doesn't just go for Bible college. This goes for life. On the heels of some of your most dynamic spiritual experiences, all of a sudden you're plunged into this, maybe this abyss of despair or these difficult moments or temptation. Are you just going, God, what are you doing? There's a couple things going on here. One is God is growing you and developing you through the difficult moments. One of my favorite sayings from Billy Graham is, Billy Graham says, Everyone loves the view from a mountaintop, but fruit only grows in the valleys. And in the difficult moments, God is forming you. Don't forget that. Don't lose sight of of the wonderful calling experiences because you find yourself plunged into maybe, maybe a frustrating moment or a difficult moment or even a moment where you're questioning yourself, questioning your calling, questioning even your faith in God. Embrace those moments and push through them because the moments also teach us it's not about us. It's about God's purposes in our lives. You know, sometimes the exciting spiritual experiences make us uh, want to be a little bit like the genie in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Anybody who watch Bugs Bunny? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember the, the one with the genie? I'm here. I'm here. Let the bells ring and the banners fly. Too good to be true, but I'm here. Sometimes our view of ministry is like that. You know, God, I don't know how God did it without me. Well, he will, and he does. And the moments of temptation help us, help us remember that. And uh, Mark also reminds us that that God will give us many opportunities for ministry and set us free to minister, just like Jesus went about doing good. Um, But the two main focus items in Jesus' ministry, after his love for the Father, was commitment to proclaim the gospel. You see Jesus preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God. And the second thing is his love for people. Those two things will sustain you. And those two things are what ministry is all about. If you say, I love ministry, but I hate people. Dear Jesus, you got it all wrong. Because ministry is about loving people. And about proclaiming the wonderful message of his grace and his goodness for the world. Can we do Mark this semester? Of course we can. Stand up. Jesus, thank you for the beginning of a new semester. Thanks for your your spirit who is so faithful to guide us and lead us and direct us. I pray your blessing on this student body. Lord, as we live together over the next four months, I pray that, uh, that moments of difficulty will be assuaged and helped by our love and our concern for one another. I pray that there will be moments of celebration where we celebrate your work in each other's lives. Uh, God, and I pray that you would help us anchor everything that happens this semester, in an understanding that that you planned this semester long before it ever happened. And we live under the sovereign, loving hand of a gracious Father. And we commit ourselves to that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.